Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We have a great show in store for you today. So whether you are listening to this podcast or you are watching us on YouTube, we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along if you can. My name is Amber Jordan, and I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, aka Mo. Mo, good to see you today. How's it going? Hey, good to see you too. Uh, I have um, my fourth cup of coffee right now and I am just flying on top of the world. So if we don't get this going, um, there's going to be a train wreck. So let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll all be in trouble. (laughs) That's right. Well, Mo, as you know, I have three daughters and they are all very close in age, especially the two that are twins. And so when they were little, um, I was that mom at Target who had more kids in her basket than anything else. <laughs> and, um, you know, and my sweet little adorable angels, you know, just didn't behave so when we were at Target <laughs> all the time. And so I remember this one time we were in the kids clothing section and I remember I had to be there regardless of how they were behaving. I had to get something And I had just kind of had it with them. And I happened to look up and I could see this other lady in our same section. And she was obviously an off-duty security guard. She, you know, kind of still had her uniform on, but she was clearly there to shop. And I looked at my kids and I said, I pointed at the lady. I said, do you see that police officer? If you guys don't be quiet, she is going to come over here and put you in jail. And and the lady looks up at me like horrified at first. And then she kind of clues in and she turns to my kids and she gives them the ultimate mom look. And I didn't even have to know she was a mom to know she was a mom because she just gave them this look and they sat up straight and they got very quiet. And then her and I just gave each other the nod and we continued on. And I thought that is so funny because she had absolutely zero authority over my kids. But it was just kind of the fear of her position that made them like sit up and kind of give her respect. And I thought, you know, sometimes as leaders, we're so tempted to default to kind of this fear or like authority position sort of version of respect, but really respect and creating a culture of respect, it really comes most effectively through leaders modeling respect to others. Mm-hmm. And so you and I, we we talk about this all the time. And I know, you know, you're always um, telling me to be watchful and be looking at my people and looking for the the unique things that they bring to the table and really valuing them and respecting them for those things. Now, we don't always like the way other people do things or maybe not even always agree with how they do things, but everyone has something that they're bringing to the table and something that deserves just, you know, dignity and common courtesy and and above all else, respect. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I know, I know we're going to talk about three things, three actions that leaders exhibit to really create a culture of respect. And so why don't you tell us what the first one is today? Yeah, for sure. And um, I remember my mom was in cahoots with all the other moms. And I remember when I used to go um, to somebody else's house or play in the street or whatever, 
Um, I, I knew that I needed to respect the authority of all my elders because if not, it was going to get back to my mom and it was not going to be a fun night at the Morales household. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally dig you on that. And it was just hilarious. I was thinking back to my childhood. So thanks for bringing me back. Uh, but today, the, the first thing we're talking about uh, in terms of respect is this. Leaders listen to others. That's the first one. And I think that, you know, this is really a foundational part of the process of being a leader because we need to realize that, again, we're not the smartest person in the room, probably, right, most of the time. And in an earlier episode, we talked about that in depth. But the reason that we're talking about having respect for others is that we as leaders have to remember, we must remember that everyone on the team has talents and unique abilities that we don't have and that other people on the team don't have. And so that's why they're important to the team. That's why they're on the team, probably, right? So the first question is for you all out there today is this. If you were to write down a list of all your people and think about how you um, you know, should uh, understand their talents, what would those talents be? What do they bring to the table that's unique? Because every person on your team probably has at least one unique talent that others don't have. And after that, the question is, do you tap in to those talents? Do you use those things to help the team? Not, not your own personal gain, but for, for, for the good of the team. Because you see, a good leader uses the talents of others around him or her, right? And even more than that, they seek the counsel of those people that have those talents. Otherwise, we as leaders, we're going to continue to make the same decisions with the same kind of knowledge that we have on stuff that we're not even talented at doing. And so we think something's best for the team, but somebody else with a talent that we don't have is thinking, man, this guy, this girl keeps on making bad decisions. And I wish I could just kind of, you know, chime in, but they're not going to. So why not just go to the source? Why not respect people for what they know how to do? Go to those people who have those unique talents and ask them for their counsel. I mean, that that's a great action point for you. Are you asking those people, are you respecting their ability to do things that you can't do? as a leader even, and sometimes we, we kind of have to swallow our pride for that, right? Because we think we have to be good at everything. But as my people know, man, I, I tell them I'm only good at a couple of things and I need a lot of people around me who are good. And this is, in practice, is really the act of respect. But I think so, it's challenging for people though, because, you know, if we don't know about it as leaders and then we go and we ask somebody for their advice, well, A, what if we don't like it? How do we, I don't know that we know how to get out of that situation of like, oh, well, thanks for that, but we're not going to do it. Or what if we don't understand it? I mean, what if really, because we're not the smartest person in the room, we've now asked for advice. Somebody has advice. And I think you're right. It's kind of like a, a pride issue of, I don't really know what to do, but I, yet I'm the leader. And so like that, that becomes challenging for people. And so I think maybe that's sometimes why, we don't ask. Yeah, it is. And again, that's why as a leader, you need to be a good listener. Because if you're not a good listener, you don't have any chance of being a good leader. You're going to be a poor leader at best. <laughs> and the more you learn to listen to your team members, to your employees, whoever is, is, is under you and that you have a responsibility to, the better you're going to be able to tune your ear into hearing the innovative ideas that your people have, but they seldom tell you right? Because that's the reason why, you know, we want to be the most important person in the building. We want to have all the answers. We want to, we want to have the information and, 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 and we want to be able to, to do those things. And that's why 
Um, sometimes uh, if you've ever heard of somebody say the, the, the phrase, uh Oh, the suits are here, right? What does that mean? It means people, it's the men and women wearing the, the, the nice clothes and they're, they're just coming in to give their, their wisdom from on high. And you're like, no, I'm here every day. I, I, this isn't my first rodeo. And if those people walked in and instead said, I just want to be a better listener and started asking questions. You better believe that the people that are on the ground, on the front lines, on a daily basis, they're going to have good things to say. And this is all of a sudden you're going to hear these groundbreaking concepts, right? And so asking questions to every person on your team at all levels encourages your employees, your team members to not keep their mouths shut, right? <laughs> to tell you their good ideas instead of keeping them to themselves and going home and saying to their families, man, nobody at work listens to me. You don't want to be that kind of, that, that kind of leader. You want your people to be forthright with the, with the things. And sometimes that stuff hurts. And that's why we don't want to be a listener sometimes because it's going to hurt our ego, but listeners, you got or, or, or leaders. You, you need to be listeners and get your ego out of the way because again, here it is, Amber, it's not their fault. <laughs> it's yours as the leader. So asking questions, and encouraging people at all levels to raise those important issues that you know are important to know and be aware of gives you more opportunity to clarify to your team the goals that are in front of the team and, and individuals and, again, the entire company and allows you to keep people focused on the mission. Yeah, I think we've all been in that situation where maybe upper management made a decision that felt so disconnected from what you're really doing. And I think as we as leaders, you know, hopefully continue to advance in our our areas or our fields, we have to keep that in mind. If I never want to become the leader that's so disconnected with what the people really need, and that really just simply comes from listening to what they need and what they know. So that's the first action. Leaders listen to others. What is the second action that leaders need to take to, to really create this culture and model respect? Yeah, if you want to model respect leaders, then here it is. The second point is leaders give credit to others. And there's no better way to get people on your side and to help them know that you are there for them than to give them the credit. And I, I know you might be thinking, well, yeah, I give credit to others. Yeah, but, but do you? You know, this is an arrow in your quiver of any leader who is, you know, not really good at words of affirmation, right? Some people are like, well, my, my, my team knows that I, I care about them or, or my family knows that I love them. Well, do they? <laughs> you know, if you're not good at this, try giving credit to people. If you're not the kind of person who necessarily gives compliments and it's difficult for you to say nice stuff, for instance, and, and not because you're a mean person, but that's just kind of not really your personality. That's how you grew up or whatever. This one is going to be really important for you. So really listen up. Because one of my favorite quotes by uh, the great Paul Bear Bryant of Alabama, Roll Tide, is this. He said, uh, if anything goes bad, I did it. If anything goes semi-good, we did it. If anything goes really good, then you did it. And then he says, that's what it takes for people to win football games. He's a football coach. That's what it takes for people to win football games for you. And leaders, I would say that wherever you are a leader, that's how you get people to win with you in your company. You need to really give the good stuff away and really own the tough stuff. And when people see that, believe me, they're going to want to get behind you and they're going to want to take responsibility themselves. And if every leader could learn to, to live just by that one simple motto, 
to, to, to take all the responsibility and give away all the credit, it would change the way that you do leadership in its entirety. People would look at you different. They would want to be a part of whatever your vision is. And, and of course, you know, coach Brian, he was a football coach, right? But as I always say, sports is definitely a metaphor for life in anything that we do. That's why I always tell parents, you want to get your kids in sports, not just because I'm a sports coach, but I think you learn so many valuable lessons and these principles and values that we learn when we're kids about being part of a team. Well, that helps us in our view of leadership. And so when we get to be adults, we can still deal with that kind of stuff. So the question is, are you that kind of leader? I, I know I definitely wasn't. <laughs> I know that was hard for me because like you said, some people just don't naturally tend to give affirmation. And it wasn't always that I didn't think it, but I mean, I, I, I tend to be kind of the person of like, I'm not going to get super excited about you getting an A when like, that's kind of what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I know that that's what you're, yeah, that's what you're <laughs> capable of. But, and so it, this was really awkward for me. And I know you and I had conversations about that. I didn't want to walk around and just give out weird, awkward compliments, but it really was almost like a muscle I had to exercise and build. And so, right. yeah, probably I gave out some pretty awkward compliments, but the more I did it, I think the more people began to realize that I was actively looking for the things to celebrate and praise. And then it became a lot more natural. I think when you focus on looking for those things and how you can honor and respect people, then you tend to see more opportunities to do that. And it makes a really big difference, especially when things then start to get rough and we all hit those rough patches. Yeah. And Amber, really, we did a lot of work on this, right? With you and, and it, we had that conversation. I said, how often do you give compliments to your team? And you said to, to me something to the effect of, well, they, they know that I think they do a good job. And I was like, do they? And you're like, well, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to, right? Like that's good enough. And I'm like, no, people need to hear that. We, we all need that affirmation. And when you started getting good at that and when you were genuine about it, right? Because you were just like, Mo, I don't, I don't want to be disingenuous. And I said, well, then don't be disingenuous. Be straight up, be real. People know, right? You, you, you can fool your peers. You can fool your superiors, but you can't fool the people that are looking to you. And when you started giving sincere compliments and sincere feedback to your people, they, they really appreciated it. And so, you know, just to kind of recap this point, just remember, leaders that if something goes bad, you know, do you jump to the illogical conclusion that there's no way it could have been something that, that you did wrong. It's, it's always somebody else on the team. Well, I would say you probably need to go back and listen to what coach Bryant said uh, a little bit before. And the second question is, is this when something goes semi, right? Do you share in those victories and those losses? And of course it leads to the final question, which is when things go right, do you do your best to give all the credit to others? Because this is the simple and effective way to let people know that you respect them, you respect their work, and you love and care for them as a teammate. Yeah, that's so good. And I think there are people out there that are sincerely just trying to do a good job. They're not necessarily in it for the credit, but man, when they get the credit, that makes them so much more motivated to want to continue to work hard for the team and the organization. So Mo, what is the third and final point for us today? Today's third and final point is this. Leaders value opposing viewpoints. And man, if I could tell you one that everybody needs to get on board with, this is the one. 
Leaders, you have to value opposing viewpoints. You have to, again, get your ego out of the way and just let those opposing viewpoints come in. Because this one is probably the most difficult for a lot of leaders that I talk to, to embrace. And why? Because whenever you're not in charge, you're always wondering why the person in charge has no idea what they're doing, right? (laughs) (laughs) But then all of a sudden you're in charge and you have all the best ideas in the world and you're wondering why nobody understands your great ideas. So (laughs) you got to think about it. Where are you on that totem pole? Because, you know, both, both are a little bit true and both are a little bit not true. But I do know this. Neither viewpoint is completely correct. But I'll tell you this, if you don't welcome opposing viewpoints as a leader on your team, you're going to set yourself up for the very lonely road of leadership. And even worse than that, you're going to be living with your own ideas and only those ideas. So if you refuse to take the ideas of others, they're they're soon going to stop giving you those ideas because who wants to contribute and continually getting those ideas thrown by the wayside? They're going to end up being like, well, why am I giving my thoughts? Why am I giving my ideas? They, they never use them. And I would guess that if somebody continually gives you their ideas and you're not using any of them, I don't think it's a them problem again, right? For leaders, <laughs> it's probably a you problem. So think about it. We've all been a part of you know, that kind of company at, at one time or another. Too many leaders just ask questions to find out what others are thinking so they can check that box and say, okay, now let's go with whatever I was thinking. And leaders, that's not the way to go. And you probably don't even know that you do that, but I'll bet if I ask your people, because I have before, when I get to have the, the conversations with not the leader, but just the team, and it's just kind of a powwow session, oh man, those are my favorite, right? <laughs> and then you realize that, you know, you as a leader were not the groundbreaking genius that, that you thought that you were, right? And so the bottom line is this. If you find yourself taking action on more of your ideas than the ideas of your your people on your team collectively, then you're probably not moving in the right direction. And you actually modeled that for our team this morning as we had, you know, we're collaborating on something and yeah, you could have made the decision all by yourself, but then you put it out there and asked for input. And then it created this whole conversation where now we went from kind of one idea where now we've got a couple additional ideas and it kind of just created this, this fun environment of like, wow, we started addressing one thing and now we've actually tackled and got some creative vision for several other things. And so it's just, it's inspiring to be a part of something where it's like, oh, we can really work together as a team and that each voice matters. Each voice does matter. And uh, I have been in leadership long enough to know that I get the smartest people around me. I want people who are going to get things done. And so, of course, when we were having our conversation this morning, the last thing that I wanted to do was get all my important viewpoints out there because I was thinking to myself, well, if I already knew, I would have gotten this done myself, but I'm having a lot of questions and thoughts. So I'm like, what do I need to do? I need to bring it to the team. And that's why, you know, opposing viewpoints are so important because it sparks discussion, right? We, we had a pretty cool discussion this morning for a long time, and we, we didn't want to end the discussion. We, we were having fun. And the more viewpoints that you have on a certain project, it forces the team to slow down and have the conversations and dialogue about those concerns. And this is probably the best thing that could ever happen to a team. It makes people have to work out their ideas and find out which of their ideas are good or best and why. And so, you know, I'd like to drive home this point by mentioning one of my favorite books. Again, I know I have a lot of favorite books, 
uh, from the top 50, from, from Mo's top 50, and the name of the book is this, Team of Rivals. It's about Abraham Lincoln's life and how he became president, but it focuses specifically on the lives of four men that had opposing viewpoints and opposed everything about him and his agenda on the way to him becoming president, either politically as a rival or in some other sense, personally, a lot of the time, just some people just didn't like him. But what was astounding was that after Lincoln beat all these guys and then became president, um, a lot of people would have just said, well, now it's time to do my own thing. But he brought these guys on his staff. And all of a sudden, he had these four men working together. And they had some pretty lively discussions because they didn't agree on anything. And they would have to get something done. And they'd come to him and say, we can't figure this out. And he'd say, well, then why don't you go away? get in that room again and don't come to me until you guys have something that we can work with. And it really changed everything about his presidency. And a lot of people don't see it. So you got to pick that book up. If you think that your team had some problems, holy cow, this is the book for you. <laughs> and so just like today, you know, back then it was pretty asinine to bring people on under your cabinet is, which is what Lincoln did with those differing viewpoints, because you're thinking, well, then how can you get anything done? But that was the point, and that's the point for you, leaders. If you don't have those opposing viewpoints, you're not gonna you're not gonna stretch to a place where you feel uncomfortable. And if you're not feeling uncomfortable uh, as a leader in the decision making process, then again, you're making it too easy for yourself. So be more like Lincoln in, in making those decisions. Bring other people in to help find those conclusions, because when we do that, you know, I, I'm, it's amazing because. We learn how to bring others into the process and then they start respecting us knowing that they just don't have to be yes men and yes women, right? They're going to come and tell us, this is what I really think about that. And that's when things start to move because you take their opposing viewpoints and then you work them out. Amber, you could even put them on a whiteboard. I know you love using those <laughs> whiteboards. I mean, put all those opposing viewpoints up there. Wow. Leaders, are you doing that? Are you taking the time to take those opposing viewpoints and say, let's really work this out? I mean, that just takes incredible strength of character to just be like, I am willing to bring these people on that have already clearly identified they don't agree with me or what I'm thinking or where I'm going. But I love that because, well, <laughs> I say I love that. That would be very challenging for me to do. <laughs> but in theory, I love it because, again, it's not about going after the idea that you as the leader had, it's about exploring the possibility that maybe there's a better idea out there. And man, I just think if we could all become those kinds of leaders, we would be actually tackling problems that we didn't even know existed yet, but being far more effective in our leadership and in our businesses. So Mo, leaders listen to others, leaders give credit to others, and leaders value opposing viewpoints. So before we go today, what are some of your final thoughts for our listeners? Here's my final thoughts. Leadership is really about respect. In fact, if you want a good understanding and a clear and concise understanding of how important respect is, look no further <laughs> than to John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, Chapter 7, The Law of Respect, right? And when you start from the premise that you're going to both respect people that you lead and give them a reason to respect you, it creates something really cool and unique. And without respect, your team's going to fall apart. 
People don't want to follow others that they don't respect, and they're inevitably not going to follow you and they're going to leave your team. And you're going to lose some good people on the way uh, unless you can learn this whole respect factor. So my, my advice for people today is to do whatever you can to make yourself a person who's respectable and somebody who puts others before themselves. Practice respect, and it's really going to raise your leadership lid. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you everybody again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.